Sure, yeah, and uh, this is great for an opportunity for myself to really um, dive a little bit deeper into, into Draco's head and discover that he really is uh, a coward through and through, really. Uh, <laughs> so no, it was great fun, though, to, to, really, to really explore it a bit deeper and make him slightly more three-dimensional. Yeah, the same for me. I think when you've kind of got more to sort of look at with your character that comes, it's not just in, you know, 
kind of one section at the beginning and then at the end of the film, it's kind of a continual development. So I was able to sort of take the character further and sort of have more to do. Um, I think in the films you, we've seen quite a um, quite a strong Hermione, quite a kind of girl power Hermione. She's she's the brains behind the operation, kind of dragging the guys around with her, and she's you know. But in this one, I think you see a very different Hermione. She's much more fragile and vulnerable and emotional, and you know she's experiencing her first heartache. Really, um, she. I think she's very confused by how she feels about Ron and how upset she is when he kisses someone else. And um, so it was fun. it was a challenge for me to, to play this much more emotional and vulnerable person. Um, it was also fun to do a lot more comedy with Rupert, um, uh, which was which was which was great. So um, I had a lot of fun doing this one, and I and I learned a lot. Uh, yeah, I like to. I like to think this is uh, uh, Ron's best year at Hogwarts. I think he gets his girlfriend, uh, joins the Quidditch team for the first time, and uh, yeah, it was it was nice to have uh, something to really get get stuck into, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it was um, the the difference in Harry this year is that in the past, whereas he's been uh, particularly the big change for Harry this year is his relationship with Dumbledore. I mean, it, previously he's always um, he's always been very much teacher and student, and this year it, it kind of changes to being a general with his with his favourite lieutenant, you know, I mean, Harry becomes a foot soldier in this movie, and, and, and happy to be so. Also, in all the other ones, you sort of see Harry as being, you know, he's like, yeah, we're going to get Voldemort, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kill it, but, they, but he never really does anything towards it, whereas this year he actually is actually being proactive and sort of planning and actually trying to um, actually do something towards the ultimate destruction of Voldemort. That's the difference in Harry this year. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stephen Shea from Boston Herald. The, uh, you all seem so grown up now, and I wonder, uh, it sort of happens in the movie where Ron, is, of course, is, uh, you know, sort of uh, has this stalker girlfriend uh, who's impressed by his uh, celebrity. And I wonder if, for the three of you, it's gotten a little strange where you find you're dating people who are more interested in you being Hermione or, or Ron or... Harry rather than yourselves. Well, fortunately, I, I don't think that's the case for, for, for any of us. I mean, I, I don't think that any of us are, you know... I, I, oh, no, I'm, are... I'm dating my stalker. I don't know you, that's often the best way to deal with it. I mean, it's you great. just confront them with it. It's great. He's always go. there when I need him. Uh, you know, I can be very demanding. He's so into me. It's great. <laughs> It's the way to go, I really recommend it. I'm not, but it's still the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, are you all right? I'm not, no, but um, I thought it sounds quite good, really. Uh, yeah, get, get a lot of attention, I suppose. Uh, yeah. uh, you hear stories on the set that you guys are finishing filming and people are taking pieces of the set and things like that. So uh, has it really set in for each of you guys that it, that it is truly ending? Um, it's been kind of, uh, for me, it hadn't until this week when everybody seems to be telling me that it's almost over. <laughs> um, I was actually kind of getting along quite nicely until people said, well, so your dream's coming to an end. Um, but no, it's, um, it, it's not, I, you know what, to be honest, I think I speak for, for most of us when I say we've got a year left on, yeah. on, on, on Seven. 
Uh, it's a long way to go, and then we've got to do lots of publicity and, and meet up with all of you lovely people twice more, um, which is, you know, something I, I, I really, I, that wasn't, that sounded sarcastic, it wasn't. Um, and, you know, so it's, it, there's a long way to go, to be honest, for, certainly for, for us, and uh, so I don't think we're, we're, you know, I'm not contemplating the end too much too soon. And aside from that, I, th I think we all feel as if, I don't think Harry Potter's ever really going to die. I think it's so big and so loved, and, you know, we have the theme park coming mm. out in, in 2010, and, yeah. you know, I think kids are going to keep reading the books, and new generations of kids are going to keep watching the films, and I just, I don't really feel like it's ever going to, it's ever really going to go away. Um, I think, I think it's, it's got longevity. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think when they finish filming that'll be the end of us sort of portraying the characters. I think there'll always be a little bit of us inside of us that will always remain... Uh, at least, and so to speak. Uh, but yeah, I'm just certainly enjoying it rather than sort of looking ahead and, and, and getting a bit sad about it. I'm going to make the most of it and, uh, and certainly cry my eyes out when it's finished. <laughs> Daniel, uh, one of the best parts of the movies is a view on teen dating with a magical twist. How do you weather the world of dating as a young 20-something in real life without the benefit of spells? <laughs> oh, I want to hear this. <laughs> he doesn't oh, well, need them. He doesn't need them. Oh well, that's very kind of you. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, um, I don't know. You know, I just, I, I don't. I'm not really doing the, the the dating thing. Is not something I've, I've ever. I don't feel like I'm in the world of dating. I don't feel like a, a, a young twenty-something in that sort of. You know, I don't have that sort of life. I'm working. I'm happy to be working. I, you know, I, I do, it's not the case that I don't have time for, to have, a, you know, a girlfriend, um, I do, but um, it's, yeah, I, I don't, it's just, I like everyone else, I suppose, it doesn't, it's weird, you know, because I've never, um, people sometimes ask, you know, oh, does, does being Harry Potter, you know, does it help you get girls, it's, I don't know, I was eight when I, I was like nine before I did Harry Potter, so I don't know what it's like to get girls without having a, <laughs> um, so I don't know, how, how have you all had it? Well, I'm 31. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Um. You, I wanted to just figure out how much. Sort of ask how much time did you spend working on the balance between the light comedy and some of the heavy drama? Because you're dealing with puppy love and also romance, which, for I guess a lot of young teenagers, is life and death. Versus this actual struggle with Voldemort and Death Eaters, which is really life and death. I think it was it was a nice break. I think if Hermione kept going at the at the rate she was going in terms of the amount of worrying she was doing, she might have developed a hemorrhage. So um, it's nice that she had a bit, there's, you know, there's just a bit of light, light relief, um, you know, for all, you know, for all of us. Because, uh, you know, they're, for, for kids' books, they're, they're pretty dark. Um, they're, they can be pretty heavy and pretty serious. So I think, I think it was, and, you know, I think, um, I'm going to sound like an English literature student, but, you know, Having some more of that, I think, actually heightened the pathos at the end when Dumbledore died. Um, you know, by having some of the lighter stuff, it was really shocking when suddenly it was like, whoa, some, you know, someone, a really big figure in, in these in this series has just died. So it was really good. Yeah, yeah, I think this is one of the funniest ones out of all of them. Really, we've got two new characters as well, uh, Jim Broadbent, who I think is hilarious, and uh, Jesse Cave as well. My girlfriend. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I think um, uh, this is for this. This is uh, in terms of the comedy. This is Rupert's finest hour in the summer. He's absolutely brilliant in the movie, and is uh, you know, it's uh, 
is uh, kind of reveals himself to be a fantastic practitioner of, of, of physical comedy, and as as we well, always have, but you know, you, you balance the, the dramatics up as well, obviously wonderfully. But the scene on the broomstick um, in British, <laughs> which is like is like something out of it's Buster Keaton or something. It's, it's so absolutely funny. brilliant. I was going to laugh. There was a kissing scene that was filmed that didn't quite make it to the movie. So, oh. how uh, disappointed were you guys about that? And also, Rupert, if you could talk about your snogging scene, if you had any preparation beforehand. Uh, I think there might have been a small misunderstanding. The the kissing scene that they have is that the is in the seventh film, and this is the sixth one. So there wasn't it wasn't that it didn't. You know, we did it and it was shit and it didn't make it. Um, <laughs> 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 We, um, well, we'll see. I mean, they haven't gone to edit with the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we did, we did the scene about two weeks ago. Yeah, so. yeah we, we did it. Neither of us really, it was not something we were really looking forward to. It was, it was quite, quite a strange thing to have to go and think about doing. But um, I think it was right in the end. It was. Yeah, we, we, we were, we, David for, doesn't really let us watch playback, but he let us watch playback in the circumstance, because I think Rupert and I were, yeah. Quite nervous that it might look uh, ingenuous, as we were so desperate <laughs> to get it over with. And um, um, but no, we just—I think Rupert and I felt the pressure of this kid. There's so much media interest, and also the fans. Kind of this. This is like this is like ten years worth of tension and hormones and chemistry and everything in like one moment, and we had to ace it. So it was like, oh god. Um, but hopefully, we did it. I'm sure you'll critique it in a couple of years, so <laughs> please be nice. <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, I think actually you're probably going to come out very well because, I, because you know, poor Bonnie, you sitting down the other end of this table, who obviously has the kiss with me, and so I saw the film again, obviously a couple nights ago at the premiere, and I really watched it, and my God, my lips are like the lips of a horse, <laughs> kind of distending away from, independently away from my face, and trying to encompass the lower half of hers, so I <laughs> I have a question that's not about kissing. Um, Thank you. Uh, it's for Daniel. Daniel, since you mentioned horses already, you just finished uh, Equus on Broadway and in London. Do you have another stage project uh, lined up? Another stage project? Yes. Um, nothing specific, no. Um, nice segue, by the way, using the horse again. Nothing, nothing specific at all. I would love to be back on the stage sometime, maybe within the next two, three years. But I, there's nothing planned um, at all. But you know, obviously, I'd love to do it in England. And if Broadway would have me back, then that would be incredible because I had an amazing time here. Hi guys, Cindy Problem from the Chicago Sun Times. Could you talk a little bit about that great scene when you all raise your wands, and also about what it means to lose Dumbledore? Um, I think it's actually a really, really moving moment, the, the, the moment when the, the wands are raising salutes and, um, and then the, the dark mark in the sky is slowly kind of eroded by this white light. It's a wonderful moment. And, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a hard scene for me because I, at the time of filming, had never lost anybody close to me. Um, and you can never hope to imagine what that feels like what that must feel like and so it was 
you know, I was kind of in a way having to try and imagine the feelings, and I, and I hope if it came even a third of the way close to, 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 to being real, then, then that's, I'm happy with that, to be honest. Um, uh, in terms of losing Dumbledore from the series, it's, it's, you know, it's very sad for me because I won't get to work so much with Michael in the seventh film, and I, I'll miss him because we had a great time together. Hi, Jill Lances with Bell Global. <coughs> you, know, you mentioned starting you know, Harry Potter when you were so young. I'm wondering, for Daniel Rupert and Emma, are you able to go back and watch the earlier films and see yourself acting at that age? And, and you know, do you cringe or do you critique or what do you do? Yeah, it's quite... I mean, I've never... I haven't watched one all the way through for a long time. Um, they were on TV occasionally and kind of flick through. It's, it is quite a surreal kind of seeing that. Because it just doesn't really feel like me. It's just... It's quite, quite, I feel quite detached from it, it's quite weird, but um, yeah, I mean, I've got some really good, it always got to bring back good memories, because it was quite an exciting time in my life, and it was, yeah, it's nice. Really, I find it easier to watch the earlier films, which might surprise you, because, um, well, I had the whole bushy hair, chipmunk face, big teeth thing going on, which wasn't, wasn't a great look for me. Um, but actually, I find that easier to watch because I can, I can completely disconnect myself. You know, it feels like such a long time ago and, you know, I just, I don't really identify myself with, with that girl. Um, whereas once before one or two years ago, it was a little bit close, but I'm like a couple of years younger. And it's like, it's, um, I find that much, much, much harder to watch. But I'm very self-critical anyway, so it's, um... It's not, yeah. It's not a very nice experience. Um, I think I think a lot of actors and actresses don't don't watch themselves watch their work. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't watched um, any of the films for the last, you know, after they've been done. Um, I uh, no. I mean, I, I I think it would be an almost entirely destructive experience for me if I was actually to watch that. I I would just become yeah. Emma says you know. Uh, Far too critical, and, and you know, I, I remember I was we were having a conversation on the fourth film, and and I said to him something like, uh, "God, I can't believe I, you know I saw a, a clip from the first film the other day. God, I can't believe how how, how bad I am, and you know, or whatever." And uh, and I, I you know I said I think I said something to the effect of, "Oh, you know, why on earth did they cast me?" And I, the only reason I remember it was on the fourth film that we had this conversation is because Mike Newell's massive booming voice. And the other side of the set came back, go and I might have to lean back to my friend and walk away. Because you were absolutely bloody charming! <laughs> <laughs> but then, no, I, in answer to your original question, I have not watched any of It's too bad you're in from Movie Line. I want to go back to the idea of the sexual tension in the film because um, it is definitely a, a factor where, you know, these, these, these kids can actually control their magic. They, they're expert wizards, you know, and, and yet they cannot control their hormones. And so I kind of want to talk about you know, how, how you guys reconciled those two principles in this film and how you intend to continue reconciling it going forward. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, um, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a, a, a wonderful thing in the film, the fact that, you know, these guys are all, I mean, particularly I find it very endearing with Harry is the fact that, you know, he's this kind of very, very... Uh, acclaimed wizard, you know, and uh, and and he and he's crap with women. I think it's a wonderful, rather endearing quality that he that he has. Um, in terms of, I think this film demonstrates basically two types of teenage relationship. Um, one, 
which is uh, mine, mine and Bonnie's, which is that kind of that kind of teenage thing when you're just you're just in love and it's pure and innocent and it's all that matters in your life is when you're like 14 and you're 15, you fall in love with something and that's that's all there is. And the other kind, uh, which is kind of much more carnal and energetic, um, which is the one Rupert was lucky enough to have. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, but you know, the, 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 those are my thoughts on the relationships of the Sick Harry Potter film. I, I, I kind of, you kind of lost me slightly, if I'm perfectly honest, with in the, the reconciling thing. I wasn't sure I quite um, got what you meant by that. Could you? Could you well, yeah, because again, I mean, you guys are expert wizards, and the magic, you know, you can control magic, control potions, you yes. can make these, you know, perfect. You can control behavior. No, absolutely. And I think that is probably quite true of um, most teenagers, a complete inability to control hormones or, or desire. Um, and and, 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 uh, and it's no different with wizard children. No, yeah. So I think particularly with Hermione, you know, she's such a control freak. She wants to be able to control everything about her life, her destiny, her work, everything. And then suddenly, you know, she's just she just falls apart in this one. You know, she's just a wreck because... Um, she can't control the way that she feels, and uh, I think in in her head, if she could have chosen who she had fallen in love with, it certainly would not have been Ron. You know, she, <laughs> in the nicest possible way, she would have chosen someone you know much more serious and much smarter and much better suited to her and blah blah blah. But that's you know you can't help who you um, who you fall in love with. It's out of your hands. Extent. <laughs> uh, this one's for Daniel. Um, how did you get into character for when you? Where are you? Okay. Oh, there you are. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get into character for when you had to take Professor Slughorn's potion and you had to do this altered state of mind? Um, to be honest, I just let the, the the more manic side of myself that I suppress for 23 hours of every day um, loose for a while on set, and and just became a kind of uncontrollable. Um, Vaguely irritating, um, but sort of vaguely amusing person that I sort of, you know, that I keep hidden, and then just let him out and went mad for a few days. And it was great fun to be honest. And actually, I, it was, um, it is this kind of side to the character that hasn't really been seen before. And David Heyman leaned over. We always sit next to each other at the premieres, and he leaned over to me and said. Uh, that's my favourite piece of acting that you do in this film. Um, so maybe I should have really been playing him slightly more manic all along. Actually, I know Dan won't mind me saying this, but I think drug Harry is closer to Dan, Dan's real personality. <laughs> I didn't feel confident enough to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I think it's probably absolutely right. I, mean, I, I, you know, I, do, I, do, I do think people probably... You know, if you spent, like, a proper amount of time with me, you, you would probably wonder if I was on drugs. I'm not. I'm just incredibly hyperactive, manic. I can I mean, I do have, you know, I can be quiet and serious at the same time, but when I get, like, at the premiere in England the other night, my God, I was just this kind of beast that had been unleashed onto the red carpet. It's been <laughs> series began, Joe was still in the process of writing all the books. So tell us about the, uh, the process of, of reading these books and knowing you're going to have to play what these characters are doing, specifically in books six and seven. To be honest, I'm such a 
geeky Harry Potter fan, genuinely love Harry Potter, know the books inside out, have read each of them at least three times, could probably answer any question that you come up with, any plot detail you might care to ask. So when I read the books, I read them from the perspective of someone who is just dying to know what happens generally, um, before I even think about, oh Hermione, I'll have to act this, you know, I'm just not thinking of it like that, I'm just desperate to get to the end and, you know, very excited to read it, so... Um, that kind of comes second for me. I'm quite the opposite. I read it and I just I revel in the pages whenever I see Draco's name. I think, <laughs> oh my god, this is it. This is cool. This is what we get to do. So, yeah. When the sixth one came out, I think I read it within probably 12 hours of it coming out. I didn't actually queue up outside, but I had a friend who was doing it for me. So yeah, and no, I enjoy it thoroughly. And your minions, Draco. <laughs> <laughs> I think also with obviously the relationship that I kind of from my perspective of Ginny, obviously knowing that reading the epilogue in the final section. I think in order to make the relationship work in the sixth film, I had to sort of, you have to block that, off, that, that section out. Obviously, it's not knows their own destiny as if you're you know, playing character. So, I don't know, I think you just got to forget about what happens in the final one. Obviously, we knew, all of us knew we all read it, so we know what happens. But you have got to just be in the moment. And yeah, take one at a time, yeah, definitely. Yeah. My reading of the books was always one of sort of, oh, God, another one's dead. <laughs> I don't like that's another death scene. Oh god, you know, I, I, I tended to be slightly sort of, I tended to, you know, I always would be able to very much enjoy them when they came out, but I would also, there would be a lot of, um, kind of, I would get nervous when I read them about whether I would be able to do justice to certain aspects of it, which is probably not the healthiest mindset to be in when you read them, but I don't know, I, I couldn't help it. Well, hi Emma. Um, so when you take cars in the summer, I mean the fall, what kind of uh, dormitory roommate will you be, and are you up for the idea of living with a complete stranger? Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, um, but you know, I figure if I'm I'm going to do this experience, I'm going to do it properly, and I'm going to do it like everyone else. If I want to be treated like everyone else, I'm you know I'm going to do it like everyone else. Um, Haven't you been listening? She's dating a stalker. This guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what kind of roommate will I be? Uh, clean? Gosh, uh, clean. yeah, clean, clean, cleanliness is good. Um, uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, hopefully I'm reasonably okay to live with. I'm sure my family, you know, you should really ask this question to my family. Um, I really hope they're a massive Harry Potter fan. I hope you walk in your face on a duvet. Yeah. As long as I don't walk <laughs> I'll be happy. Um, I'll be happy. Oh god, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, potluck, isn't it? We'll see. Hey guys, uh, Marcio from Maxim Radio. Uh, first quick question for Emma. Have you ever been at one of these events and looked at somebody hypothetically in a very sweater and just been like, I wish that was my date to the premiere? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having that moment now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. With, a, with a zip and a white t-shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's just my feelings. Seriously, though, guys, you've been doing this your entire life for the most part, and have there been any childhood experiences you had to put off, like quote-unquote childhood experience that you're now looking forward to getting to after you're done filming the seventh film? Uh, 
First of all, by the way, in answer to your original question, I do think at some point, I'm sure Richard Harris asked out and shared this at some point in one of our first two films, I'm not sure, but um, uh, childhood experiences that we may have been putting off. Um, I missed I, a few school trips. Yeah, I don't yeah, really, yeah, yeah, I've got to go to, to, to Clipping Norton RAF Museum. Yes, so I, I, um, I don't think you missed out on much, Dan. <laughs> I think we've gained more than we've lost, I think, it's fair yeah. enough to say. Yeah. Um, and also, if we were waiting to do it, I think by the, kind of by the time we've finished, we're probably at the age in which we've sort of forgotten about things. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's a little late to go to Legoland now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we missed that boat, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, Douglas, coming soon. Uh, so, most young people your age will spend the last 10 years kind of like thinking, oh, I want to be an astronaut or. Doctor, whatever. And you guys have obviously been acting. You've been doing six movies, which is not many people your age can say they've done. So, I mean, have you guys at all thought about whether to continue acting, whether or not um, you just want to go do something else if you maybe wanted to try? Can you guys talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I definitely want to continue acting. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I don't know what else I'd really be doing if, if this didn't really come about. Um, um, I don't know. But um, yeah, hopefully after this, there'll be some. Um, Hi. Oh, oh, I think I think well, there's, 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 um, I, I'm going to uh, university, but it, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm giving up acting or anything dramatic like that. Um, I, I feel like um, I feel like I do want to continue. Um, definitely, I just um, want a normal experience for a bit. You know, I just. Just a little bit of normality for a while. I think it would be nice to put it down. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was very much exaggerated in the press recently, wasn't it? You know, they, they were kind of bare, yeah, I think, were a bit heavy-handed. <laughs> yeah, they were. I think, I think the media found it confusing that I wanted to go to university and sort of don't really understand why I'm doing it. Um, so I think they sort of jumped to that conclusion. I was, you know, she must want. I don't know. Um, I I'm very excited. And I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, I've managed to juggle and balance studying and uh, and working well enough up to this point. So I, I don't see why I can't keep doing that. You know, uh, at university you, you get five months. You know, off. You know, um, on holiday the, the the gaps are enormous. More than enough time to make. Um, one small Harry Potter film, but a couple of uh, <laughs> a couple of you know other films. So it's I think it's everything's possible. You know I I just I'm being a bit selfish really. I'm trying to do everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I I was always a little uncertain to be honest. Even years previous, whether this was the uh, the path I wanted to choose. But uh, in the last year, I've really um, really built up a passion for for film filmmaking. Not not just acting, but the whole everything that goes into it, the lighting and the sound recording and all the rest of it. So I certainly love to continue it for as long as as long as I can, yeah. Yeah, that's the same, I think, with me, kind of, as experiences have gone on, I've kind of 
realised luckily that this is kind of you know the career that I want to continue in, um, continuing, and I'm also going to sort of do I'm going to film school in September, so cool. the same thing. I'm kind of interested in the you know wider elements, you know like directing and cinematography, which are kind of this film has definitely been a big inspiration for me. What film school? Um, I'm staying in London, so I'm going to film school within the University of the Arts London, which is the main sort of art school. How would you how would you characterize your relationship with uh, David Gates as compared to the other directors you've worked with on these films? Okay, sorry. I, I sorry. I always like to know who I'm talking to. Um, I, I've 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 had nothing. I will have nothing but, but great things to say about David. Um, you know, we get closer every year. Um, uh, we we get on very very well. Offset, you know, we have a very, very good relationship, not only professionally but personally as well. Um, I think, you know, as we as we go on in the films, uh, we become more in tune with each other to the point that uh, he can say cuts, and I will immediately, I will know without having to see or hear him, I will know whether what I've just done is what he wanted, um, simply because I know what he's looking for. Um, in a performance, and um, well, I, I, I think I do, and I can't always get there, but he's very, he's always very, um, he's very good at being honest with me as well, and just saying to me, you know, you, you can do better than that, yeah. and that's a wonderful thing to have, is, is that kind of trust in a relationship with the director. Yeah, I think David, David's great in the sense that he won't let you do anything other than the very best that you can produce, and, you know, sometimes that means being quite a hard taskmaster, <laughs> you know, we... I think David David can tell whether I'm acting or not looking at my back genuinely like he's that scary <laughs> like he just knows when you're really there and in the moment and trying and when you're not and you know he you know a year ago he'd say things to me like um, that was really great very good performance but you were acting and I'd be like well yes but no he's very like he won't settle for anything less than a truthful honest performance that comes from somewhere that's really genuine for you and I've learned a lot from him he's very um, he's very generous with his time and you know if you want to talk something over he's like more than happy to help you he's very, very patient. patient as well yeah uh, which is quite a Quite a good thing to have, really, when uh, when uh, you're working with with, uh, with yeah, me and Dan, because we uh, we laugh a lot, and uh, it, it must be a bit annoying. But he's, he's great. He's, he's just he's, he's such a lovely guy, and just yeah, he's probably one of my favourites we've, we've had. Uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. I think also the thing with David is that you know even if he was shouting, you would very it would be very hard to tell. David's a very very softly spoken man, um, and and so he you know his his manner. It's, it's rather wonderful on set, and he's kind of, you would never pick him out as the director. Nothing about him screams, you know, I am the creative powerhouse of this movie! <laughs> no, he's just, he's very, he's very, he's very quiet, and he gets on with it. And what he has, I think, as well, as a director, which is brilliant, is that he has the, a real ability to kind of, to be able to see the entire storyline in his head, in, in one frame, almost and be able to encapsulate it all in his mind at, every, at any given moment. And so that he can pick out moments from the end of the fifth film and make them and, and find a relevance with them at the beginning of the seventh. He will find things, he will link moments constantly in, in the story, and he's just got a fantastic vision of the films from the day one. And also, the other thing I would say on him very quickly, 
um, before I bore you all with this praise, is that he is, uh, his enthusiasm for being on Potter um, is the same as it is, you know, uh, now, it is the same now as it was on the day, day one of the first film he did with us. He's like a kid in a candy store. He's just super excited by everything and to be doing what he's doing. And, you know, Alfonso and Mike and Chris all look like they've aged about 10 years after one hour film. And, you know, he just, he just loves every second of it. And there's just no ego with David. There's just nothing, you know. He actually does that sort of five-year-old thing where... If he gets a shorty life sort of... He skips, yeah, he skips yeah. off, it's really... You know he's happy then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he's a joy to work with, incredibly uh, gentle-natured, and uh, he certainly got me through this film. <laughs> Can I, can I ask, was it just me, or did, did, I, did something just happen to my eyes, or did we just have to No, it did. Something happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank, thank God for that. I love our and sheknows.com, and I'd like to tell Tom, I thought you were brilliant in your part as Krakow in this. Thank you. And um, how did you uh, take him, how did you approach taking him from uh, kind of cocky to more vulnerable throughout the, the movie? Uh, this neatly links in with, with David, really. Uh, I was terrified before starting the film about... Uh, you know, approaching it in this whole new light. He's always been very two-dimensional in previous years, and uh, we had to sort of take a new angle with it. And David was very clear and concise with what he wanted, this sort of ghost-like image with, uh, you know, with sort of sort of glaze over his eyes constantly. Um, and he made us, he did, he did some uh, rehearsals with, with, with Michael and Alan and stuff, which, again, I was chitting myself massively before doing. But uh, he, uh, he really sort of... Yeah, he was like a father almost, and he sort of carried on. He, he, he sort of made sure that it was all okay. So it, certainly any, any praise that I get is down to his, his great direction. And I'd, I'd just like to... I would like to... I've said all this to you probably anyway, but... No, I, don't embarrass me, mate. I, 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 think, I think for Tom to come in on this film, having, if we're honest, not been asked to do a, a great deal for the last few years, to come in and give the performance you give him the sixth film is remarkable, and it's, it's, it's a fantastic performance. You are too kind, sir. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was, to be honest, I, I, it, was, it was quite easy going, this particular underwater scene, in comparison to what we did on Thor, when I was underwater for about 41 hours over the course of a month. Um, and 23 minutes, but it didn't matter. Um, <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> I didn't write it down in a lot of that thing. Um, um, I, um, yeah, but so it was actually, in comparison to that, it was very easy. I was only under, I think, maybe two days worth of filming underwater. It was, at, you, uh, you guessed correctly, it was a stunt woman who was uh, wrapping herself around me as the kind of... Um, uh, uh, lady in furry, and um, and yeah, it was quite. It was actually one of the coolest moments of my career. Was was bursting through the surface of the water, being surrounded by this circle of fire. Real fire. Is, oh, real fire. Yes, real fire. Sorry. And um, what they did, they they have a, have a little pipeline on just underneath the surface of the water, which bubble, which uh, shoots up bubbles of uh, kerosene or, or whatever and or propane, and um, and. Uh, and they uh, and and then they, they kind of ignite it just after the surface, and um, so the water, surface of the water goes completely just black with soot, and it's kind of horrible, but it's but it's also great fun. And um, and and then I get to climb up onto the onto the kind of central island where I look up and I see Michael Gambon there, just look like 
God or Moses or swirling fire around his head. And it was just, there was something, I, it was one of those moments where I went, I will never, it does not matter how many more films I do, I will never have this scene or anything like it ever again. Hi, um, Scott Beggs from filmschoolrejects.com. <laughs> cool. That was a great <laughs> intro. <wasn't laughs> that one of the ends going up on you already. <laughs> uh, uh, my question is, how uh, are you guys happy with the way that the next film is shaping up? I, I, I'm, I, I couldn't be happier personally. I, I am so excited about the seventh film. It was, I don't know if anybody else had the same experience as me over the last couple of days, but seeing the sixth film again, it does suddenly strike me we are actually doing something very, very different yeah. with Seven. We're not in Hogwarts, and the difference that makes is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no. Shut up, Gambon! That's Michael Gambon putting his head around the corner. <laughs> Tell him to shut up. Shut up yourself, Michael! <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm like, I. It's not very often that in the middle of a filmmaking process you stop yourself and you go, this is going to be awesome. And I've done that on a number of occasions. We've just done this amazing scene in, uh, in the forest where we're being chased by the Snatchers, and I've never done anything like it, nothing even close. Um, like, I've never really done any serious stunts or any, you know, real action, and, you know, it's so exciting and just really dynamic, and I think because, you know, all of us are now finished with school and we're all just totally focused on, on, on this finale and it's out of Hogwarts and it's just about the three of us and it's just, it's going to be, well, I hope it's going to be brilliant and it feels totally different. I feel like I'm on a different film. Um, I think some, you know, the other films have this structure where it's like, you know, we come in in the great hall and then there's the opening talk and then we have the, t you know, like, it, there's a kind of structure that everything goes through and that's just gone. It's gone. It's, it's going to be great. Uh, Michelle Nichols from Reuters. Just a quick one. Um, how do you guys feel when J.K. Rowling visits the set, and how much have you guys spoken to her about your characters? I haven't seen her for a while. I just wanted to see on set, but I, I had the I had the pleasure of seeing her two nights ago at the London premiere. Um, and obviously, uh, for, as an actor of part of her project, it's, it's very you, you do want to hear what she's got to say. Um, and she was very complimentary about the whole film, um, which obviously is, is, is the ultimate sort of honour at the end of it, really. For her to be happy with, with the performances, I think, is, 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 is truly great for us, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, she, she, she's, she's always been very, very good at um, kind of letting go of the, the, the films and realising that they are a totally separate entity from the books. Um, so she's not been, you know, the... the She's not been too precious about anything. She realises things have to be cut um, in order to make them viewable, you know. Um, so um, she, she's always been very good, and when she comes out to the set, it's a it's a pleasure. It's a, it's a it's a rare treat um, because I think she like she doesn't want us to feel that she is kind of prying. Um, but she's she's always been wonderful, and, and she's an incredibly gracious and lovely woman. I also think they're gonna. The sense of trust she's given a lot of people, like all the part, people in the art department and costume, and just the whole kind of idea of the visual aspects of the film. I think it shows that she really trusts the sort of creative sort of I think, perfection that everyone seems to put in these films. Everyone sort of never leaves any kind of description left out at all. Kind of. I think a lot of it's probably kind of not seen. A lot of her world is kind of unfortunately not seen in the films. Sure. 
Okay. Um, just, just sorry, one second. Just for the for the record, it might be interesting to note the only the only thing in um, thus far six films that has been on screen which is not in the books, which she said, "I wish I'd thought of that," was um, an idea Alfonso Cuarón had on the third Potter film to make the temperature drop when Dementors came by, so you'd see the water freeze over and things. So that's the only thing that she's gone, oh, God, I wish I thought of that. Just as a little piece of Potter trivia for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, how are you doing with your swine flu? Are you all better now? Um, yeah, I'm fine now. Yeah, you, 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 you're all safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Run! No, <laughs> folks, we are out of time here. I would ask everybody, please, to remain in their seats. Guys, if I could ask you to step on out so we can bring the next group in, I would appreciate it. Give Mike a round of applause. We're going to take about five minutes to reset the table, reset our tapes and everything. Thanks. If you guys want to do the same. Give me the mic. <laughs> well, I know that wasn't 44 minutes. It's got a rose on it. Uh, yeah.